welcome back, everybody, to the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, the Fantasy Football Know-It-All. You can find me on Twitter, at FFKnowItAll. Hope everybody is doing well in what seems like the uh, 32nd straight month of uh, the COVID crisis that we're under. Uh, We do have some sports coming back. Uh, There is uh, Major League Baseball action, and the NBA is set to make a return. And there should be hockey as well, uh, August the 1st. So football, it would seem, is right around the corner. So we're going to gear up and get into um, something that I think you guys will find very, very interesting for today's uh, podcast. But first, I want to update you on some things I have going on um, in regards to the show. Some things we've already talked about um, and and things like that. So um, I'm moving closer to finishing up the website in which I'll have my full PPR rankings and weekly articles which will feature draft strategies, player insights, and other nuggets that will help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I mentioned before that I will be hosting a radio show as well, and that is basically a done deal, as uh, the first episode will most likely air this Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I will uh, tweet out the details, though, so make sure that you follow me on Twitter. Again, that's at FFKnowItAll. Today I'm going to list five players that I feel are going way too high, and I'll give you the reasons why I have paused to draft them at their current uh, ADP. Uh, which is average draft position for those of you who don't know. Then I'll name five guys that I feel will outperform where they're going and should provide an excellent value for you in your quest for fantasy football dominance. First, though, I do want to tell you guys about another podcast that I listen to religiously. It's called The Morning Smoke CLT. Make sure you join my man G as he covers all sorts of topics that are not only close to his own heart, but we all can relate to in one way or another. If you're like me and you enjoy relaxing with a beverage or perhaps a fine cigar, then the Morning Smoke CLT is for you. Trust me, friends, you're not going to want to miss it. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can find great podcasts and once again the name of the show is morning smoke clt follow g on instagram at the morning smoke clt and just make sure you give the show a listen i promise you will be happy that you did now let's just jump right into um the uh, the players that i feel are going kind of high for my liking and i'm gonna harp on this guy again and that, that number one is Miles Sanders. Um, I can't stress enough the fact that Doug Peterson does not like to use the workhorse back. Over the past few seasons, we've seen no less than half a dozen guys share the workload in that backfield. Uh, they brought in Jay Ajayi a few years ago. That didn't work out all that well. Um, there's the Corey Clements of the world, Darren Sproles that, that carved out a role, um, even Wendell Smallwood. Uh, as as strange as that sounds, had a good piece of this backfield. Even if they don't bring in, and, and uh, uh, lately Devontae Freeman has been rumored to be going to um, Philadelphia. I, I heard somewhere that even Lamar Miller might be an option. Philadelphia is going to find somebody to 
platoon, if you will, with Miles Sanders. I have a hard time believing he is going to be the only running back in, in, in that backfield. He's more than capable and more than talented enough to do so. So talent isn't the issue here. I'm not down on Sanders because I don't think he can play. But in in watching Philadelphia with him, uh, especially last season, I just don't see that happening. And um, it, if he does become the workhorse, I'll eat crow here. But they've done this in Philadelphia. All they have done under this current regime is do a running back by committee. I don't see that changing this year. So I, I'm not comfortable taking him as my number one running back to anchor my team. Number two, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay, this one I admit I, I do struggle with because the Chiefs are so good on offense, and they did take Edwards-Alaire in the first round of the NFL draft. That does not automatically signal a workhorse role, you, you want examples? How about Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle? Everyone was gushing over Sony Michelle because the Patriots took a running back in the first round. That must mean they're going to use him all the time. Well, how did that work out? Rashad Penny is another case where Seattle took a, a running back early, and they want, it seemed like they wanted to move away from Chris Carson. Penny did show some flashes when he was given the opportunity, but the backfield has pretty much belonged to Carson ever since. And in my opinion, he looks better on the field. And if that's not enough, look back at the Chiefs when they drafted Kareem Hunt. Even with all that talent and hype, it took a preseason injury to Spencer Ware for Hunt to become the featured back in the Kansas City offense. I expect Damian Williams who in my opinion, and, and I know I'm not alone here, was robbed of a Super Bowl MVP. Um, just in case you all forgot that, take a look at the game and the stats. Uh, I, I, I understand Mahomes got it. I, I guess I see it. You know, the, the face of the NFL for the next, you know, 25 years is what it sounds like from his contract. Um, but Damian Williams was the MVP of the Super Bowl. And I fully expect him to get the the crack at the majority of the touches for Kansas City at least early on. So even if uh, Edwards Alaire gets in there and gets involved, it will be more of a split than most people realize, maybe 65-35, something of that nature. And with a first and second pick in redraft leagues, you might get to week seven or eight before you start to re reap any rewards or benefits from taking Edward Tillaire. So where he's going in the in the first round and second round of drafts, I'm backing off. Now in a dynasty league, that's a completely different story. That is somebody that you can hang your hat on and take early. But for purposes of, of this show, I, re I, I don't cover dynasty all that much. That may change in the future, but right now for a redraft league, I'm laying off Edwards Hilaire. Um, number three, this won't come as a surprise to anybody who knows me or listens to me, and that's Lamar Jackson. Okay, I know what you're thinking, but he runs for 100 yards per game and scores touchdowns all over the place. Yes, last season that was true. However, you need to look at how that all came about. Prior to 2019, Lamar Jackson was thought of as a run-first quarterback. Um, and he really wasn't a threat to throw downfield very often. 
the electrifying play of, of Marquise Hollywood Brown and the emergence of a dominant tight end enabled Jackson to rack up deceivingly high passing numbers. Watch him throw the football. He is not a prolific passer, and he's not just going to automatically start um, throwing 36 touchdowns a year. I don't see that happening. I fully expect defenses to adjust to his gameplay, much like they did with Michael Vick back in his heyday. So expect the TD numbers to drop, I'd say by a good 10 or so. Uh, I'm looking at mid-20s for him, maybe on the high side, maybe to say 28, okay? But you can't count on another 1,200 yards rushing from him either. Um, He goes in the first or second round in almost every mock draft that I have done to this point, and I am absolutely not taking Lamar Jackson or any quarterback, frankly, um, in the first five or six rounds of any one quarterback uh, draft. In a two-quarterback league, I know a lot of you are in those, super flex and that kind of thing. You might need to tailor, your, you know, it might be worth it, and you might need to tailor your draft uh, strategies. But in a one-quarterback redraft league, no thank you. Number four, Mike Evans. I can hear a collective shock and sigh and grunt as you all wrap your head around this one. Mike Evans averaged 1,200 yards and 8 touchdowns over his career, his 6-year career. But in that same span, Julian Edelman only caught 6 touchdowns one time and had 1,000 yards receiving only 3 times. Can you name another relevant pass catcher that Tom Brady had that wasn't named Gronk? Nope. So, and with good reason, really. Brady is not a gunslinger. Evans posted his numbers in a vertical offense that was always coming from behind, whether it was Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tampa Bay was always working out of a negative game script, and that forced them to throw a large number of passes, many of those downfield to Evans. I understand he's very talented, but so was Josh Gordon. Remember when everybody was just beside themselves with the fact that Gordon was in New England playing for the Patriots? I remember it. I remember it well. And I said to myself then, and I said it to anybody who would listen to me, Gordon wasn't worth it. I don't think that Evans is worth as high a pick as he's going. He's ranked consensus on Fantasy Pros as the number nine wide receiver. I would temper expectations a lot when it came to that and uh, really no thanks on Evans as my number one wide receiver and I'm okay with him as a number two of course but there are running backs taken in that range that I would rather go to because the running back landscape at that point in the draft go falls off the deep end so again I don't want to hammer the point home too much but I don't think that Mike Evans is going to give you the value or the draft capital that you're going to have to spend to get him. Look elsewhere. You can find somebody with very similar production, maybe better production. And we'll talk about a couple of options later that I would rather have on my roster. And number five is Aaron Jones. Last season, Jones finished with 1,000 yards and 16 touchdowns. Well, that sounds great, right? Well, he had a whopping 236 carries for the Packers. He also caught 49 passes for 474 yards while accounting for three more scores through the air. 
The Packers still have Jamal Williams, for whatever that's worth, and they did snag a running back in the second round of the draft. I think Green Bay is going to be looking at more of a timeshare than people realize, and using such an early pick on Aaron Jones, regardless of his talent, is extremely risky. You're you're not looking for risk with your first or second pick in the draft. You need high floor, um, really star potential here. And I just find it's way too risky for me. There's going to be some touchdown regression coming. His carries will almost certainly drop off below 200, at least in my mind. He'll be fine as a running back too, a flex option. Uh, but he's being drafted well within the RB range in regards to ADP, which is why I'm going to back off here. I am just not comfortable as taking him for my first running back overall. Very similar to the way I wouldn't take Sanders. I would take Aaron Jones before uh, Miles Sanders, mind you, but still the same. I would rather have them as my number two option and not the one that's anchoring my running back. Now let's go ahead and talk about some players who are being overlooked or just drafted far too late. Um, For the first guy, suppose I told you that you could take a running back who ranks third in rushing yards only behind Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley, and you can get him in the double-digit rounds. Would you take it? Before you answer, let me throw in the fact that this player also has the seventh most rushing touchdowns during that stretch and is one of only five players to rush for at least six scores during that span. Who is it? Get ready to plug your nose, my friends. It's Jordan Howard. I am fully aware that Howard is a plotter and he he plays for the Miami Dolphins, but Miami does figure to be improved on defense and should be able to score a little bit on on the offensive side of the ball as well. Matt Breida was acquired in the offseason, of course, and I look at him more as a change of pace back. I know that people don't view him that way, but keep in mind, Matt Breida's hurt a lot. Yeah, he played through a lot of it in San Francisco, but effectively he was he lost his job to an emerging Raheem Mostert and whatever combination you want to throw in there out in San Francisco. Um, at pick 110, there is zero risk in taking Howard. And you could end up with a big back who is very capable of performing as an RB2 and Honestly, he's the perfect target for those of you who want to go wide receiver heavy and also maybe want to snag Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz with an earlier pick to solidify your tight end position. Last year, in only 10 games, Howard had half a dozen rushing touchdowns. He's a non-factor catching the ball. But if you've already loaded up on your wide receivers, people catching the ball, then you don't need that from whether it's whether you have Howard as your running back too or as your flex option you're not going to need much in the passing game from him he will get you five or six or maybe more touchdowns he's really the only option they have around the goal line so i think at getting him as late as you can in in these drafts he is a really really good option if you wait on running back number 2 is a guy that I'm pretty high on given the circumstance, and that's T.Y. Hilton. 
Yes, he's getting a little bit older, but he has not lost any of the speed that he has shown over the past several seasons. And let's just look at his situation for a minute. If Philip Rivers was still with the L.A. Chargers, how soon would you draft Keenan Allen? Early second round? Maybe maybe falls to the early third round in some drafts? And that's with Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, and Mike Williams also on hand catching passes. Indianapolis is an improving team, and they brought Phillip Rivers in to throw the football. Where do you suppose these targets are going? Sure, Jack Doyle will fill the Hunter Henry role, and we'll talk about Doyle a little bit later as well. Um, but there's really nobody else in the wide receiver core that I'm I'm high on. There's nobody remotely as talented as Mike Williams in my mind. So I expect Hilton to get peppered with targets in this offense and score more than a handful of touchdowns. And that's an area where, if you remember, Keenan Allen struggled when he was with the Chargers. So this is definitely a guy that you can get later on who will fill in for you as a flex or a wide receiver two option in the mid-fifth round or so. I absolutely love T.Y. Hilton at his ADP. Number three, another guy that I'm targeting in almost every draft, and that is Marvin Jones. You've heard me mention Jones before as the undisputed number two in a pass-first offense in Detroit. I'll take Jones in every draft if his ADP remains in the eighth round or later. He's the perfect flex for your team, especially if you took two star running backs and two star wide receivers in the first four rounds, which, again, if you listen to anything that I say, that is how you should approach the draft. Load up at these skill positions because quarterbacks, tight ends, and the like will be can be found later. Last season... With Matt Stafford missing eight games and Kenny Galladay in the midst of a breakout, Jones still posted 800 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. It is not out of the realm of possibility that you see a 1,000 receiving yards and double-digit touchdowns in 2020. So in round seven or eight, you get a player with that production? Yes, please. Sign me up for that anytime. And he's getting overlooked. So keep this in mind. You should be able to get him at a really, really good price. Now, at number four, this is going to stir up some controversy because there's there are those who hate this player and there are those who love this player. There's not typically somebody in between, but that would be Cam Newton. There was a time where Newton ranked among the top five quarterbacks drafted typically, and he always came through for his owners. Does the signing by New England signify a change in Superman's game style? I don't see that. Um, I highly doubt it, in fact. He was never an accurate downfield passer anyway, and New England doesn't play that type of offense. So if he's not going to throw the ball downfield all that much, and I don't think that he will, he can only dish off to his uh, running backs so many times. There's no prolific tight end there that I'm excited about. Sony Michelle is now going to possibly start the year on the pup list, which only increases the possibility that Cam Newton is going to vulture TDs around the goal line. That's his game. That's why they brought him in. He is currently ranked one spot above, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, future Hall of Famer Drew Locke in, uh, on the Fantasy Pros consensus rankings. And that's just ridiculous. 
Newton is being drafted in the 15th round after kickers, after defenses. I don't know how ridiculous that can... I don't know how much more ridiculous I can make that sound. So if you needed more reason to to select Newton, what more reason do you need? He's going to cost you nothing in draft capital, and his ceiling is immense. I feel he'll finish inside the top 12, but I do not see a scenario where he finishes outside the top 15. Well worth the pick in the upper... 16th, 17th, 18th round, or wherever he's going. To finish out, the guys that I really think you should keep your eye on, depending on where you're drafting and who you took, is Jack Doyle. This is a guy that is the only viable tight end in a Phillip Rivers run offense. If you don't take a tight end early, Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz, like I mentioned earlier, then you're most likely going to wait at this position. Currently, Doyle isn't even getting drafted, so his price is essentially free. Last season, with Jacoby Brissett at the helm and Eric Ebron still on in, in the fold for Indianapolis, Doyle had 43 receptions, 500 yards, and four scores. Sure, that's not going to light the world on fire, but keep in mind that there was another tight end catching passes, more notably touchdowns. Give Doyle some of those. Give him two scores. That's six touchdowns. Give him 200 more uh, receiving yards. That's 700 yards. Give him 12 more receptions. That's 55. I I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, it, it has to improve. And throughout his career, Rivers has always relied on his tight ends, especially around the goal line. Again, I'm not saying that Doyle is a top five tight end by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a strong possibility that he can finish inside the top 10 at the position, and at an ADP of 163, he's somebody that I will target in all of my mock drafts while I load up at wide receiver and running back to start my roster. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today's show. And as always, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support in making this podcast take off. I never dreamed that it would reach such heights so fast. We continue to pick up new listeners every single week, and I could not do this without all of you and your continued support and encouragement. If I can ask one favor of all of you uh, who listen to the show on a weekly basis, please take the time to rate Uh, Give me a five-star rating if you like the show on whatever platform that you use to download the program. Um, This will allow the podcast to be easier to find and help me to continue to provide quality, unbiased content that will help you in your success to secure the uh, fantasy football championships that, hey, we all desire, right? We don't play to lose. We play to win. So um, please be sure to, to give me a rating. And um, and support the show that way. For those of you who are Steeler fans, please make sure you check out my articles on Skull King Sports. The uh, URL for that is www.skullking.com slash Steelers. And um, you can check out the main site if you prefer. If you have a different favorite team and you want to check them out. Their content is fabulous. It's a, it's a, a growing website. I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm, I'm actually very thankful that they allowed me into their family and um, trust me guys you will like the content on the uh, on the Skull King website once again that's www.skullking.com and don't forget 
that I will be providing the information on the radio show via Twitter. So if you're not already following me, please do. I'm at FFKnowItAll on Twitter, and I'll be coming at you weekly from this point on as far as the podcast goes. The podcast will be a Tuesday thing. I'll, I'll wrap up the week and then go into some, some things once the season kicks off. And then, of course, the radio show will be on Friday. So I'll be able to give you updated information on injuries, uh, who's in, who's out, who's not playing, and, and maybe some last-minute substitutions. And we'll do a lot of fun things. Um, I, I plan on having some giveaways and things like that. So please check that out as well. I will post the details on Twitter so that you guys know where and, and when to check it out. So be on the lookout for the next podcast, which will air a week from today, and continue to do everything that you can to dominate your lives. Have a good week, everybody.